You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Grace. And hey, it's Chelsea. And today is just the two of us. And we are going to go over this special case for Halloween. Happy Halloween. Do try not to die. Now I'm going to say it is solved. We haven't done a solved one, I think, at all, right? Never? Mm-mm. No, I don't think so. So this will be our first one. Um, it is for the Halloween, and the reason why we picked it is because 2016 on Halloween day, two hunters had come across a dismembered body in the woods while hunting. They found the head and the torso of a girl, and it was in Bear Creek Township. They obviously called police, and when the area was thoroughly searched, they found the arms and legs. Dental records determined that the dismembered body was that of Grace Packer, who was only 14 and had been reported missing in July by her mother. Unfortunately, as we talk about this case, you'll see she suffered all of her life and definitely in her last moments. I feel like it's like super scary around like Halloween time because you would see like this, these dismembered body parts and you would probably think they were like props or something. Yeah. Like I think I've heard of similar things where people thought it was just like a Halloween decoration, but it's not. Yeah. I've heard of those stories as well. And we, I live near somebody that goes all out and I mean, they're not as obviously realistic. They, they do like crazy characters, but if they did do it on like, I guess, I guess mannequins are things that look like humans. People would have a problem with it. And even though it's like zombies and stuff like that, people still complain. They say it's too graphic. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's, um, near Oaks, um, near that huge, like church that you can see off of 422. It's right near there. Mm. Mm-mm. It's pretty intense. I want to go looking for it now, though. It's really fun. It's not as good as it used to be. Like, they used, they built, like, a pirate ship the one year. It's dope. Oh, my God. <laughs> they go all Yeah, out. I don't know if you... There, it was a post, I know, where on, like, that Halloween page on Facebook oh. or whatever. But there was... I think they posted there about the people that had, like, the super realistic um, Halloween decorations. I don't know if you saw it, but it was, like people getting stabbed in the head and like bodies like across the grass. And it was really, really realistic. So that's, I feel like that might be crossing a line. (laughs) A little bit. I don't know. I enjoy Halloween so much, but I definitely, I probably wouldn't make it realistic, but I mean, I've heard of tons of crazy stories, especially around Halloween of like people like dying at like haunted houses and stuff like that. And people not knowing because I thinking it's props and stuff, you know, I had heard, that's horrifying. I had heard of one. I don't. I don't think it was in PA, but someone hung themselves. An employee hung themselves at the attraction, and for the it, it went days until someone realized. I think I heard that too. That was true. Yep. There's oh there's like a I don't know if it's fake, but I hear that there's one at Disney that uh, an employee hung themselves at Disney. <laughs> um, but I think it's fake. But I could be wrong. Who knows? I don't know. I feel like it's one of those myths, like the munchkin that hung themselves on the set of the wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. (laughs) Uh, let's get back to Grace. Um, Not this Grace, the important Grace. (laughs) Uh, So Grace Packer was born on August 14th, 2001 to Rose and Rodney Hunsinger in Norristown, PA, but her original name was Susan. 
She had a biological brother and sister as well. In February of 2004, Susan went into foster care in Berks County along with her siblings. In May, they were all placed with Tiffany and James Acker. Now, these people loved the children and they ideally had wanted to adopt them, but they ended up giving up due to, I guess, frustrations with the system. I mean, adopting kids is not easy. I hear that it's easier to like adopt if you're fostering, but even that process can be pretty lengthy. Yeah. It takes years for sure. Yeah. And so they did not go through with it. The siblings were then placed with Sarah and David Packer in the beginning of October, 2004. Sarah at the time was working for children, youth and family division of PA. She had started her job in 2003. Her and her husband had experience fostering because they fostered roughly 30 children over a 10 year span. And now I'm not sure if this process was easier for them because she already had worked there. And I guess like she has all clearances and stuff, you know, but in May of 2005, they started the process of adopting Susan and her brother in June of 2006, the Hunsinger's parental rights were terminated because of not being able to provide a safe home. The mother struggled with mental illness, whereas the father had intellectual disabilities and it just, they couldn't keep things safe for all three kids. March 16th, 2007, Berks County approves the adoption of Susan and her brother to the Packers. And I'm like totally interested because like, there's another sister, but like, what happened to her? Where did she go? Can I just clarify that the first family that fostered them was Acker? Yeah. And then this is Packer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I just had to make sure I knew what was going on. All good. No, but I couldn't find like any information. Obviously she was a minor, but I can't find any information of what happened to this other sibling at all. Um, mm-hmm. She was only mentioned like twice. And then I know she didn't go back with her obvious um, biological parents, but after uh, it looked, it seemed like um, Sarah and David did take her in, but didn't adopt her, and they never mentioned why. And usually they try to adopt all together, siblings all together. It's very hard to get them separated. I do know that. How old How old was the sister? Did she maybe age out of the oh, sister? Oh, no, no, no. They were all young. Oh. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I know that... Grace was older than her brother, but I don't, I couldn't find the age of the sister and I can't imagine it being that off. I wouldn't think. Sure. But obviously when they did get adopted by the Packers, their names were changed. So going forward, I will just refer to her as Grace and I'm going to do like a huge trigger warning. Um, there's like a lot of topics there could be a trigger warning for, but specifically sexual abuse, regular abuse, and then obviously dismemberment. Um, so just giving that up if, and it's obviously about a kid. So if you're not up for it, please go to the next episode before Grace was officially adopted. David had preyed on her and he had sexually abused her in 2006. It is not stated in any of the articles that I read if it was a one-time incident or an ongoing issue. Grace did tell people what happened, but no one ever did anything initially. In October of 2007, Sarah was promoted as a supervisor in Children and Youth, and it should be shared that she had known of the sexual abuse incident that happened between her husband and their daughter. Finally, in May of 2008, the State Welfare Department's Regional Office of Children and Youth in Scranton started an investigation into David because they received reports about David's misconduct. Yet there are no charges filed after the investigation, which is like super frustrating. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, it is. And as we get further on, you'll see 
we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> in June of 2009, the Packers became the subsidized permanent legal custodian for another girl who was a teenager. Uh, and it seems that David's attention then turned to her. January 19th, 2010, Lehigh County authorities launched a criminal investigation into David. And basically, the girl was older. And I think she could more advocate for herself than someone like Grace could. Cause Grace was only a child. I think like she was only like four or five when she was sexually abused. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. She was young. I mean, sexually abusing any child is horrible, but wow. Yeah. So that's why I think actually I lied. She was, she was five, five to six, depending on, um, but that's why I think that um, an investigation after he sexually abused this other child was so fast was because she was able to articulate and communicate more effectively than Grace would have been able to, which is sad. Sure. Grace might have not even like realized it was abuse, honestly. Yeah. She's way too young. Way too young. We just talked about January 19th, 2010. Lehigh County authorities launched a criminal investigation into David. We just talked about why. A day later, Sarah's put on suspension because the allegations from her husband indicated that she knew what happened to the girls and didn't try to get them help. And obviously that's a problem since she works for children and youth. Yeah, that's terrible. It's absolutely awful. But she, I mean, it doesn't matter because she was basically like complicit in it. But was there, were there any reports that she participated in the abuse? No, never. Mm -mm. She just knew about it. And I mean, she's, I guess, more involved. We'll talk about it like soon, um, how she's involved, but not like physically involved, if that makes sense. Okay. So within four months, she ended up getting fired completely because I I doubt they put up with that. In July 23rd, 2010, Allentown police charged David with the 2006 indecent assault of a child, which was Grace. Then in November 24th, 2010, they charged him with a 2008 indecent assault of a child under 16. June 2011, David pled guilty to indecent assault in the first case, which was Grace, and to statutory sexual assault in the second case. He was only sentenced to 18 months to five years, which obviously he didn't do all five. What the fuck? Yeah. It's pretty crappy. And obviously he also had to then register himself as a sex offender. Do you know how long he actually spent? I do have it somewhere later on. I want to say uh, in 2015, he was paroled. And um, so 2011. So maybe I guess it was five years. I guess if it counted as time, he was already served waiting for his trial. Yeah. And I mean, great that it was like the maximum, like he served the maximum, but that's way too little. Yeah. And like, obviously I could not find if it was like an ongoing thing or a one time thing, though. I feel like if you do it one time, you're more likely to do it more than once. I mean, he obviously did it more than once. He did it to two, but you know what I mean? Like occurring times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it was awful. But Sarah miraculously escaped without serious consequences of her involvement. Her name is placed on a child line, which I didn't really know what that meant. I tried to look it up and didn't get like a clear answer, but basically it just lets people know if they were to search, they would find that she was part of a case involving sexual abuse. Hmm, But she didn't have to register as a sex offender, which I thought was interesting because I've never heard of child line before. Obviously, I've heard of either. Yeah. Obviously, I've heard of like being a sex offender and like, you know, all that stuff, but never heard of that. 
Hmm. Now, you would think that the children would have been immediately taken from her and never given back, that Grace could hopefully had moved on to a loving family and lived a happier life than this poor girl had endured in her short 10 years of life already. But unfortunately, that is the most frustrating thing because that is definitely not what happened. And it should have. It absolutely should have. So she's her and her brother still lived with Sarah and there was a lot of back and forth of where, uh, Sarah was not Sarah where Grace was living June, 2013 to December, 2013, Grace was placed in a residential treatment facility called Warwick house near Doylestown, where she had began seventh grade. Then she went back to live, I guess, with Sarah. I couldn't find any information if she had stayed there, but in January, 2015, Grace moved to North Carolina to live with a cousin of Sarah. And she attended part of eighth grade there and started ninth grade. And it's to be noted, we already talked about it, but in January of 2015, David gets paroled. And I'm sure you could possibly thinking, you know, obviously this is not going somewhere good. We're talking about a solved murder that maybe this is when David is like, I have to get my revenge for this like little bitch. They, cause Sarah referred to her that as letting out this secret, like I had to do time for her, but that is totally not what happened. Yep. Sarah called her a little bitch. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We'll get into that. <laughs> like it's deep. Um, wish everyone could see my face. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like at first it just kind of seems like she like, likes them and just didn't want to put her husband, you know, through the ringer. But basically she, she's the one that wants revenge on Sarah for what happened to her husband. Even though at this point they are not married, they um get divorced after he gets out. And she had started dating a guy um named Jacob Sullivan in 2013. And okay. yeah, crazy. And in November of 2015, Grace was supposed to be coming back home, but before she could like physically get back home, Sarah and Jake were already planning her murder, quote unquote murder, <laughs> um, to them. Um, it was really put as Jake's rape slash murder fantasy that they got quote unquote swept up in. Um, well, don't like where this is going at all. Nope. 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 Not at all. You know, later on, after, you know, they were found out, Jake claimed that he did love Grace, but that Sarah tried everything to convince him that she was bad. Sarah viewed her as a difficult child who often acted out and would need to be punished. Yet all of Sarah's family said that Grace was a bright, bubbly girl who loved hip hop and country music, loved swimming and the summertime. So basically sound like like a preteen or teenager. She was well, 14 when everything happened. Even if she was acting out, she was sexually abused at five. Like, oh, yeah. God forbid you're a difficult child after you're sexually abused. Well, all the moving around, even when she was adopted, I mean, it just like, yeah, kind of like she almost seemed like no one wanted her. Yeah, nothing stable, nothing. Yep. Yeah. So Sarah was quoted as saying that Grace had become, for lack of a better word, a non-entity, and I wanted her to go away. She said that in court, which is like, but what? she worked. She worked in like child services. Oh yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of person is this? Well, there are theories that she is basically an evil person and just worked in um, children and youth to basically 
get what she wanted, but not be suspected. If that makes sense. Like who would suspect somebody that's working in children and youth to be an abuser. That's true. So, I mean, that is, I mean, that's what some people have said. I mean, who knows if maybe she did care at one point or maybe it was too much. I have no idea. Right. She never talked about it. So Jake's friends and family claim in the beginning he was Grace's biggest advocate. Uh, but things changed when Jake moved in with Sarah. She apparently started grooming him, which I've never heard of, grooming him to assault Grace in the same way that she had done to David. And it did come out in court the first time that it was originally her idea for David to do it. And it's almost like she planted a seed in his head. And then he, I guess, kept thinking about it or like, like it wasn't his idea. It was her idea, but like, she didn't want to have sex with them. She wanted somebody else to like, like this fantasy of like raping. How do you groom a grown man? I have no idea. I was so confused. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Never heard of it. Wow, I've never heard of that either. There's a lot of new things that I'm learning in this oh, case. Yeah. I was, I was really confused by it. So when Sarah actually did get home from living with family in North Carolina, Sarah started putting medication in her daughter's pudding. This she did. Do you this mean to, Grace? When yep. Grace came back from North yep. Carolina. Okay. Sorry. Um, now she did this to make her compliant and groggy. The last time that happened was July seventh, two thousand sixteen. On that day, Sarah and Jake took her from their Abington rental to a property near Quakertown. Now I don't know if this like they had two properties, and I don't really know how they were affording it. So I don't know if like it was his and I'll tell you why I think it might've been his, but like one of them, it was one of theirs because it was their property or rental. But when they got there, Jake punched Grace in the face, then raped her while Sarah watched. Sarah said while it was happening, Grace was frantically looking at her pleading for help. Sarah admitted in court. She told the girl, I can't help you anymore. This is now your life. They then drugged her even more than they already did in the morning, bound her with zip ties, put a ball gag in her mouth and left her in the attic to die in the summer heat. So obviously these men that did these things to her are like pure evil, but Sarah just like kind of being like almost the puppet master. Oh yeah. And it gets worse. It definitely gets worse. She's the devil. Yeah. Sarah did early on initially claim like before it came out that like it was a planned murder, um, that, it wasn't supposed to be murder that he acted out this rape and realized that I can't just let her go. She's going to tell somebody. Um, and that they didn't think of that beforehand. No. Hmm. And she claims that he panicked and had to kill her. So that's that. <laughs> and it sucks. And when they left, Sarah was still alive. Like they, I guess thought that heat exhaustion would kill her. I guess that was what they were hoping for. I guess they didn't want to get their hands dirty. Basically. They were just going to leave her there to die, um, and they didn't want to do anything about it. So just make it like a long, cruel death. Basically. But the problem is, she didn't want to die, um, and she fought to live. She managed to get out of the zip ties, and she got the ball gag out of her mouth. But, like, she didn't leave. She stayed there. I don't know if they locked her there, but in my head, I feel like they probably wouldn't have because I guess they thought she was gonna die she was zip tied and completely like she was put they said in one article they hog tied her with zip ties um but like why didn't she run or get help how old was she at 14 14 wow 14 and um so obviously uh sarah and jake did come back 
um, and it was after 12 hours, and were just enraged when they found her still alive. They thought that she'd be dead. Jake grabbed her from behind and put her in a chokehold, telling her to just go, honey, just go, which I'm just like, what? Um, and he admitted this on confession tapes to cops. Sarah admitted that she watched her from the front, which makes her even more evil because she wanted to see her eyes. She wanted to see Grace's eyes. And she said that they were... Fuck. Yep. She said that they, she said that she could tell that she was pleading for help just from the way she was looking at her. But instead of helping, she grabbed her hand and said that it was okay to go. I want to choke this bitch. Oh yeah. (laughs) Sarah said that it felt like forever, though it could really only have been a couple of moments. Uh, And in court, she was asked how long she thought Grace felt that it took to sit there and choke and die. How'd she answer? She didn't. Because she's a piece of fucking shit. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Wow. And Sarah had a great idea of buying kitty litter and packing her in a box surrounded, like, packing her in a box and putting kitty litter over her. I don't know if it's, like, supposed to help a smell or the breakdown to, like, absorb it. I don't really know. Never heard of that before. I guess absorbing, like, <clears throat> bodily fluids. That's That's what I think. Ugh. Um, and they left her in a box. And the reason why I think it was like Jake's rental is because they put all of Jake's comic books that were stored in boxes around it. Like she was kind of like in the middle and they put her around. So it wouldn't look suspicious just for one box. That's frustrating. Super frustrating. So she was, her body was just like in storage basically. Mm -hmm. In an attic. Wow. Yep. It had to smell eventually. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't care how much, like, kitty litter. Oh, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. No, we'll get into it. So, remember, this all happened on July 7th. And then July 11th, 2016, Sarah reports Grace missing to the Abington Township Police. Like, did her brother not, like, realize, like, Grace wasn't there? Like, that's, like, my biggest thing, because her brother had to be in double digits at that point, like, 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Why, why isn't he asking questions? I just don't get it. I mean, maybe he was, though. Maybe. And he was maybe afraid of them. That's true. N- never once mm-hmm. did it come up that, like, he was getting abused or anything like that. And though there is, like, heartbreaking things that he said at the tr- uh, trial that I will... Um, say. But anyway, Sarah's story to the police was that Grace wanted to go to her friend's house and Sarah told her no. Uh, that an argument escalated where she stormed off to her room. Sarah didn't think anything of it until the next day when Grace was nowhere to be found and $300 had been stolen from the home. She even told the police that Grace was known to leave for a couple of days at a time. But for some reason, though, she never made a report until this time. So that was kind of suspicious to police. Because she's young. Hmm. And she also told police that she touched base with her family and friends and that no one had seen her. So basically, she tried to make Grace just seem awful. Basically. Mm-hmm. Like, she stole my money and she left. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I mean, obviously, with, like, missing persons thing, she was, you know, in the system. And I guess they saw that. So at first, they didn't take it 100%, like, serious. I mean, we see it all the time. So it's nothing too unusual. She's a runaway. Yep. Mm -hmm. September 7th, though, 2016, Abington Township Detective Cindy Petinato uh, discovers that Sarah's home is vacant. So the home that she registered, um, like, her address is where um, Grace went missing. They went there to talk to her because 
they specifically asked her to bring photos of Grace. She never came back. I mean, if you're trying to convince these police that you're not involved, do you think you'd do everything to be, like, showing that you're a grieving mother? This bitch, nah, she ain't care. She could not even give a shit enough to cover her tracks. Nope. And they called her and left her two messages, never responded. So obviously they went to the house. It was vacant. Um, the same day, they also found out that um, both children, Grace and her brother, were unenrolled at that um, public school and then re-enrolled into a different school. Well, only her brother was enrolled into Quakertown Community School District. And that was odd. Like, why wasn't Grace? So then the police start, I guess, really asking questions. October 11th, 2016, Cindy lets Sarah know that Grace is being entered into the national database for missing persons. With the heat picking up on the case and the police discovering that they're living in the residence where Grace's body is, Sarah decides to go buy a saw and two blades on October 16th at the Richmond Tractor Supply in Bucks County. And she uh, took Grace's body into the bathroom and dismembered it. And then they drove it about an hour away and dumped it into the woods. What a psychopath. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't really have, like, words for her. No, it's pretty rough. Uh, November 11th, 2016, Sarah is charged in Montgomery County with child endangerment and obstruction of the administration of law. December 23rd, Jake posts her bail, which is 1000 and obviously she's released. Her bail was only 1000 Yeah. I don't know why. Oh. I, I, I caught that as strange, too. Um, and I guess they didn't think they could make it from the sounds of it. They were pretty like broke and poor and basically living off the kids, um, SSI benefits. So I don't know where he got the money from. And so she was released from prison and I guess they decide that things weren't really going their way. And on December 30th, Catherine Albright calls 911 when she discovered Sarah and Jake attempted, uh, suicide by overdose. She found them unresponsive. And who was that? Okay. Now, Catherine... (laughs) was living at this house at the Sheridan Horsham. They were in a polygamous relationship. So Catherine, Sarah, and what's his name? Jake. That one. Mm-hmm. In a polygamous relationship. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Living in a hotel together? Oh, no. A home in Horsham. Oh, a home. Okay. Yeah, that's where um, they went and took Grace to kill her. Though that's my question about it not smelling like this woman also lived there and then the brother also lived there and like did no one smell it? Like it was hot. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. No calls of it smelling. So I don't I don't know, maybe the kitty litter like massive smell. Hmm. Yeah. So confusing. Yeah, I'm going to have to, like, mull that over a little bit because I don't get it. So, obviously, they were rushed to a hospital, and they were in the ICU. They um, took a lot of shit. January 7, 2017, Jake admits to hospital workers at Abington Memorial Hospital that he killed Grace. And the next day, they were charged with homicide, kidnapping, and abuse of a corpse. And to top it off, February 3rd, 2018, Sarah is charged with stealing SSI benefits and Berks County adoption subsidies for collecting money after Grace's death. She had... Wow. Oh, yeah. She had even renewed the benefits in August because, like, I don't know how if you know how it works, but every year you have to, like, not reapply, but... Um, if any information is changed, if your house changed, like just make sure all the information is good and then like resubmit it to just have your benefits, I guess, roll over. I mean, we do it for land and state insurance and, um, my, my, I got, um, social security for me and my grandparents would have to do it as well. But at the time, uh, benefits had to be, I guess, renewed or whatever. It was in August 
And at that point, she had already listed Grace as missing. She didn't tell them or put it in the file that she was missing. Because obviously she wouldn't have gotten it, I don't think. Wow. So, that's kind of shitty. And one of the nurses at the trial for them had said that she heard Jake say, I wish we could return the adopted girl, but we need the money. Sarah was receiving 700 a month in total just for Grace. I mean, it's just not really surprising at this point. It's horrible. Yeah. But I mean, I mean I've heard of that before too, like fraud basically and just fostering kids to get that money. Oh yeah. Or adopting kids, yeah. So when police caught up with Grace's family, they said the last time that she was seen alive was July 4th, 2016. They all had like, I guess a family picnic. And that was the last time. They also revealed that Severn uh that Sarah never told them that Grace was missing at all, even when she told the police she had asked them if anyone had seen her. So the police were kind of like, oh, that's weird. And they even followed up with this friend's quote-unquote family that Sarah had said Grace was trying to go to. They said Grace had never been to their house and there was never a sleepover planned. Detective Cindy said that searches were done at Grace's house. Now, this was a house that she was reported living at, you know, um, because things were just not adding up, you know, when they were. <laughs> you yeah. think? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So they were like, yeah, something's up. They got a um, search warrant and they used search dogs. They used luminol uh, to see, I guess, if they could see if there was like any blood that got cleaned up, uh, nothing was found because it was not at that house. Uh, if it was done at the other house, absolutely. They would have discovered it way before I think the body was discovered. Um, which is sad. And Sarah had confessed in court that even with the body being found, they weren't even worried and thought they'd still get away with it. Her and Jake agreed not to search the case on the internet. And Jake is the one who broke first. Um, obviously they got arrested and who knows, who knows, um, if Jake talked just because maybe he didn't know that hospital staff would have to tell, you know, authorities, uh, cause HIPAA laws, I don't know why people think like murder doesn't count as like a HIPAA law. I mean, I don't know <laughs> because that's not the first time I've, I've heard of that. I've heard of that before. I wonder if he said something because he was like feeling guilty or if he was like drugged up or yes. what, I mean, he was in the hospital cause he was messed up. So mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, but anyway, when the police did end up getting, bringing him in, he's the one who broke first at, they were trying to like deny, deny, deny. Oh, we weren't part of this. Uh, Jake is the one who broke first, which is sad because like Sarah's this mom is this supposed to be this girl's parent. So that's sucky. But, um, Sarah straight out told the police that she was betrayed by him and couldn't believe it. Um, now, as you had said uh, about like being on drugs, he tried so hard to avoid the death penalty. He tried saying his confession at the hospital should be allowed because he was so medicated. And then mm -hmm. when that went to work, he switched it up to say that Sarah had forced him and somehow freaking Sarah got away with making a deal to get the death penalty off the table if she would testify in court against him. And, and she took that. She did take that. They both didn't want the pe death of penalty. Of course she did. Yeah. Of course she did. Yeah. And then March 6, 2007, Northampton County 
says that it stopped placing children through the impact project of Emmaus after finding the agency received reports of abuse behavior by Sarah more than a decade before she was charged with Grace's murder. Um, which is sad because if they would have followed through on these reports, um, and put her away where she obviously belongs, this tragedy would not have happened. Um, and not even a day later, Lehigh County follows suit. March 10th, 2017, Sarah pleads not guilty. And March 31st, 2017, Jake pleads not guilty. But for both cases, uh, the state was seeking the death penalty. But as we talked about, Sarah made a plea and she obviously didn't get the death penalty um which so it was 2007 you said that those there was allegations of abuse against sarah at like the um well technically in the first case when it was with her husband um it had come up that there was abuse against her um not against her but she was committing abuse as well but she never got charged with anything. She did have to get And that put. was 10 years before this. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, before... Okay. Mm-hmm. Just making sure I heard that right. Holy yep. shit. Uh, Sarah's attorney subpoena, subpoenaed Warwick House, where she, um, Grace had went for treatment, uh, and they declined to turn over, which I didn't know you could do for a subpoena. I thought that was interesting. I thought when you were subpoenaed, you were required. Um yeah me too yeah i couldn't find any more information and basically i think that's because the police did find a letter apparently um i guess in sarah's belongings at school that basically was like i'm so sorry for being such a burden and i guess sarah's attorneys were just trying to prove how difficult of a child she was i don't know um so they were trying to get records from this um facility and it does i don't think they ever did then so the facility probably just didn't want to aid in the defense right they were probably like fuck this bitch that's what i'm thinking because at this point they were just trying to somehow turn this poor 14 year old girl into a monster um which i just don't know how you can do thinking of what they did like how can you be any worse like what what gets you that kind of death and torture i don't know so her attorneys like i hope they lost sleep at night while they were working on that case like and just felt really shitty about themselves i hope so because like you know there are some cases when you're not sure like there's some doubt or you're not sure or people just jump to the first conclusion like the husband and we see so many cases of wrongfully convicted even to this day um but as i talk further you'll see how 100 percent sure they plotted and planned her murder um so we'll get to that um may 2017 after an interim investigation state human services department determined the impact projected the impact project follows state regulations and address complaints and they continue to be licensed in pa um which is crazy but i don't i never found if um lehigh county and um the other county what was that um northampton county um use them again after this incident but i can't believe that they didn't get banned (laughs) which is crazy so yeah that's insane yeah and another insane thing is july 2017 rose and rodney hunsaker so her biological parents file a petition in monco court seeking to be administration wait administrators of grace's estate 
which I'm thinking like, what kind, what estate does she have? She, I thought that was like, if you had like property and money and stuff. Life insurance. Yeah. She's 14 years old. What, what estate does she have? I have no idea because then David's parents, Warren and Evelyn of Northampton, um, they, um, they challenged the petition and they want to be administers. And, and in March of 2018, court ruled against both of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't understand, like, what are, what, what is there? What's, what, I don't know. That blows my mind. Yeah. I can't really think what that would be. No Maybe clue. like the only thing would be like her burial arrangements, but I don't, it just doesn't seem like anyone cared about her that much to care about burial arrangements or anything like that. So yeah, I have no idea. I thought it was really, really weird. That um, is weird. Yeah. And February 19th, 2019, Jake pleads guilty. Then March 28th, 2019, Jake is sentenced to death. Um, the PA Department of Human Services released a very heavily, when I say heavily, I mean heavily, redacted 34-page report three days after Sarah pleaded guilty to a first-degree murder. Like, why is it able to be redacted? I don't get it. Even in court, it was redacted. Like, isn't Hmm. isn't that weird? I don't know. I do not. The foster system has so many faults and they try to keep so much. They protect themselves when they should be protecting these children. And you can see it. And it almost when I first read about it, because I had never heard of this case, it made me think about um, Gabriel. Um, I can't remember his last name, but there's a Netflix documentary that was like a huge. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know who you're talking about. That was hard to watch. It was hard. And but there's so many cases like that wasn't even a rare case. I mean, not that it wasn't rare, but there's so many kids that die in foster care situations or or in situations where CPS was called multiple times and they just didn't follow up. You're right. I mean, that this does remind me of that now that you brought it up. It's very similar. Mm -hmm. And it's just these poor kids. I don't know. I can't even think about it that deep because it's too much. But. Oh, these kids just had no one to love them. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Um, but basically, uh, the state said that these reports basically describes a badly frayed social safety net in which uh, info wasn't shared between counties. And that really what was the problem because she was moving between counties. Um, I think in total she was moving between six counties. Um in the years that she did have um, Grace and her brother. So for like some reason, it just wasn't, the info wasn't being shared. And I mean, this wasn't that long ago. I mean, it wasn't even 10 years ago. Yeah. So you're saying Sarah moved oh, yeah. from she like moved county down. to county mm-hmm. in her job. Yep. And the child abuse uh, claims wouldn't travel with her. That kind of reminds me of, you know, priests that would. Oh, yeah you know, get caught and then just be moved to another parish. Oh, which is awful. Wow. Mm -hmm. But it is surprising because like you said, it was not that long ago. Yep. Not at all. Not at all. Which is frustrating. So, um, like I said, nurses had testified against Jake. We mentioned that before. Another one had said that he told her that he liked it, which, oh, yep. That's how I feel. Um, and we're going to move into, um, 
when Jake basically said, oh, she forced me, we're going to see why he didn't. Because they had, um, the state had receipts, they had store security video, and I guess Jake didn't know, but his car had monitoring service on it. Um, I don't know if it's just, I don't have a new car. I have an old car, Dave Ramsey here, um, trying to save money and use an old car, but I guess newer cars have like camera systems and the info saved. Hmm. I mean, I know you have a newer car. Um, does yours do that? Just like tracking where he went Yeah. or, I mean, cause you could have like the, your car insurance tracker yeah, on mine, there, mine does I that. guess. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I used to have the State Farm one, and that could. And actually, you know what? Um, I have an app on my phone that Ben and I can see, like, where the other person is, mostly because I lose my phone all the time. But (laughs) it could be, like, something like that that's, like, in his phone? They specifically said car. It's on um, monitoring device installed on Jake's car. That's specifically what it said in a couple articles. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. My, I mean, my car might be newer than yours, but probably not by much. So (laughs) yeah. So we don't (laughs) know the newer car stuff and who knows, like they seem broke as shit. Like how are they getting such a new car? But who knows, you know, but anyway, Sarah was viewed buying liquid drainer, drain cleaner, which prosecutors say that the couple had used this chemical to disfigure Grace's um, remains so she couldn't be identified, which is terrible. Then, Seriously? yeah, then there was a receipt for the Bosol hidden in a picture frame in their house. <laughs> like, how sketchy Ooh. is that? Yeah. And now a forensic anthropologist, they confirmed that the marks on her body were consistent with that Saul never was recovered. So there was like a receipt of her buying it and Mm -hmm. it looked like it was used, but they never found it afterwards. Mm -hmm. And there was security footage. And then Jake's car monitor system, um, showed him at an adult bookstore the day of the murder and that ball gag was actually a sex toy and it was bought at that it was bought at that store Mm -hmm. that was kind of awful uh the monitor the monitor system also showed him at quakertown walmart and the target in rich uh richmond on the day of the rape uh bank records show that both both of them sarah and jake purchased um items they used to abuse Grace. Sarah bought over-the-counter sleep meds and scissors where Jake bought zip ties. He bought um, a fan, rubber gloves, bleach, and kitty litter. Um, and it just, like, it showed that they pre-planned it. It wasn't, like, in, like, right. the heat of the moment. Um, they planned it. Um, and it was both of them. It wasn't just one or the other. Um, it doesn't show like Sarah being up his butt in security footage. Like they were both went their separate ways, got what they needed and both purchased it, you know? Um, so obviously that went out the window and he did end up getting the death penalty. He obviously wasn't sentenced to death. I mean, I don't think PA has, um, killed anyone on death penalty on death row in forever in ages. I think. Yeah, I when I hear about people being sentenced to death in these cases, I just assume they're just going to live on death row until they die a natural death. That's mm-hmm. yep, basically. Yeah. And he did. He had a cardiac arrest, cardiac arrest, if I could say it correctly. Um, so he died, um, which he deserves. Um, 
after her death, uh, Pennsylvania Department of Human Services launched an investigation um, into, like, the, I guess, the effectiveness of the program. They never released their uh, findings to the public, at least, um, which is shady as shit. That's helpful. Yep. Absolutely helpful. Um, oh, I lied. He died of a cardiac aneurysm. I'm so sorry. Just clarifying. But, um, so while we're talking about the trial and everything, I did want to share with what, uh, during the victim impact letter read in court, her brother was 14 at the time asked that his sister be remembered beyond the gruesome details of her death and measures be taken to protect other children from abuse. I want you to find a way to watch out for all kids. He wrote to the court, please. This is the way to help me. Um, which is like, uh, how awful is that? It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Wow. Uh, five years after this murder, officials say major changes to that system that could prevent another tragedy still haven't been made, which is terrifying because that just means there's another kid that probably has died since then. Um, didn't, I didn't even want to look into it. This case kind of was pretty rough for me. Uh, pretty yeah, gruesome. it's rough for me to hear. So I can imagine researching it. Mm-hmm. And they also said the department of human services in 2019, uh, Apparently there was like this report never made public to the um, public, but I guess people have made comments about it. It uh, states that the welfare system was overwhelmed and that we need more accountability at the county level, which I a hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree. That's kind of scary to think about because if they were overwhelmed, then think about how short staffed we are everywhere right now. Yeah. Like it has to be exponentially worse right now. Yep. That's really scary. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was, it's awful. And I guess like the one quote from Sarah that's like quoted the most that I see in like the most articles and one article was like, that's like the headliner. Basically she says she didn't have to die. I got wrapped up in Jake's fantasy and I didn't think I could tell him no without losing him. So it just shows that all she cared about was this guy's, like, affection or attention, and it didn't matter at all what she had to do to keep his affection. And what happened to her? Did she get life? Yeah. She's still alive, though. Shame. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's terrible. And it's just... It's, like, heartbreaking. I never even heard of this case. And it, like I said, it wasn't that long ago. Mm-mm, not that not at long all. ago at all. Sorry, you can hear all those shitty people driving by my house. <laughs> um, yeah, it just makes me so sad. But I thought with Halloween, having a Halloween case might be cool. I definitely didn't think I was going to find this one <laughs> out of all of them. I mean, the other case was pretty gruesome as well. It was a girl that went missing and then ended up finding her body right before. And she was even younger uh, than... Grace was when she died, so just shitty people. Yeah, that was a rough one. Yep. Sorry about that, guys. Hope you enjoyed it, though. So it wasn't like a fun Halloween special, but... Nah, sorry. But it's good to be informed, honestly. It's a really important story. It is, and sometimes, like, I've... I listened to another podcast that I highly recommend it. I think I recommended it to you and you listen to it. It's called, um, 
what is it? Is it bleeding heart or broken heart? Yeah. It's based yeah, yeah, on, yeah. yeah, it's based on eight kids who were adopted and, um, all, all murdered. Well, two are missing, but presumed murdered. Um, and they got away with it because they moved from counties too. And I know when listening to that podcast, uh, the neighbors suspected something was wrong, but they just didn't want to get involved. And if you see something or you don't think something's okay, call, have it reported. I, we, before we bought our house, we were renting literally down the street from where I live now. And my son's special needs. He was in a special needs class with another girl. She was special needs. I don't know what her uh, diagnosis was. She also had a brother who was deaf and another brother with something else. So there's just a house of like tons of disabled kids, which is fine. Um, their parents, I don't know, somehow racked up so much debt um, with Pico and they shut their power off like three days before Thanksgiving. Um, Mm -hmm. and they were trying to like plug in to our back porch outlet, which was like a huge thing because they were like plugging in, um, electric heaters, which freaks me out. I think of fires. Then they were heating their house by running their stove, their gas stove, um, which is like a huge no, no. And, um, I mean, it was freaking freezing. They had four kids. Three of them were pretty severely disabled. I think I called CPS for weeks every single day. I'm technically a mandated reporter um, when I worked um, at a church and um, it got bad. And we, I ended up like the school wouldn't do anything. Cops were going there every night doing nightly checks. And they're basically like, they're alive. Uh, but like, I don't understand how not having heat in winter, they literally lived there from Thanksgiving just into January without any heat. <laughs> I just, oh, that's and CPS wouldn't do anything. That seems to be like what we, what we see a lot is that, yeah, they'll show up. But like you said, the kids are alive and they're mm-hmm. like, well, everything must be fine. Yep. Like, and all these like terrible stories, that's, and well, you might think I'm a, hear. you'll think I'm a Karen for this. I ended up getting them to court in the most awful of ways, I guess, because I'm a bad person. If you think I'm bad, that's fine. Um, I not only was worried about like our own, their safety and like they were coming over, we were feeding them. Um, we were giving them clothes cause they didn't have, so one of the kids didn't even have a winter jacket. Um, mm. But when they started running their gas stove and we could smell the, um, the gas, I was terrified of like an explosion and we shared, we shared a wall with them and I like, no one was helping me. The cops, CPS, the school, I was giving people their names. I, the kids went to three different schools. I called all of them. I found out which schools they were going to. I called. No one would help me. And somehow I found out who their landlord was. And I was like, your pipes are going to burst. Our place is going to flood. I was like, they're going to blow up the house. Something has to be done. And he ended up evicting them. And I remember it was right before we moved. They had finally gotten out and they, they were able to find like living situations and the assistance they needed. So like, I guess it was good in the long run. The kids weren't taken, but they found better homing. Um, this guy, it took him almost a year to fix up. He said in the kitchen, there was like a hole, like five feet by five feet from a leak that they never reported. And it was like crazy hoarder status. He had like five roll offs. 
and basically had to start from the floor up, knocked everything out. And it's just CPS, just, I don't know if they're overwhelmed. They don't care. You have to get the right person. I don't know what it is, but it is disheartening. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they're overwhelmed. I mean, I'm sure there's some people that work there that like don't care, but I think a lot of it is that it's just like underfunded and they're overwhelmed. It's, I think it just needs to be, it's just bad all the way through. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I just, it makes me so sad. And like, I it just, I could not, I didn't even want to search up how many kids have died in similar situations. Cause I know there is like a percentage. Um, when I watched that Netflix series on that little boy, um, it's rough. It really is. It's hard to watch. But I mean, also, like I said before, it's really important. Like it's, it's not a fun thing to listen to. It's really, really tough. Even like, I don't even have kids. I'm sure it's even tougher for people with children, but it's important. It's really important. And some people don't know really what to look for. And I've had CPS called on me from the school. My son is a hundred percent. 200% 200% go all the time. He has bruises. Um, he falls down the steps like crazy. He has low tone. Um, and I'm like, whatever call Like, if you feel like you have to call CPS, do it. I'm like, they'll come. Our police know us. Um, our police officer here is officer white. He's the best person ever. He knows us. He comes in. I think the first time he met Landon, Landon, like was jumping on the couch and completely fell off. And he was like, Oh, that's why he has a roof. Um, I've seen similar things. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that can be the case, but then there are some times when it's more, you know, and you never know. And I rather have someone called on me thinking that they, that in their head, they're protecting Landon because I mean, what if I was, right. I, I rather, because I know that I'm not, so I, I don't get upset about it. If like, I just, I'd rather have someone call than not call than ignore the signs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause then, you know, they're looking out for him. Exactly. Um, and some people don't, some people do. It's, it's hard because once you put it out there, you have to do something about it. You cannot take it back. Um, and it might not be easy. You might have to fill out paperwork. It might come back to bite you in a couple of months. If something actually does happen and you might have to testify. I mean, it's not just, you can put it out there and then not do anything about it. It's like a serious allegation when you're making these um, calls. Right. But you're protecting a child. So yeah, some people, or some people might play that game. Like, is it that bad? Maybe I'm, yeah. maybe I'm thinking of it wrong. Maybe they are just a hard player. They are like Landon rough and tumble. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different reasons. I know with the heart case, it, they were lesbians and it, yes. I think some people were kind of like, Oh, I don't want to come off as like homophobic or what, what, from what I remember from that case is, so they were gay, completely fine, but they kept telling people they were moving because they were living in homophobic situation, like areas. Yes, I do but remember that. Yep. The real reason was because in each county or each place they were living, they had a child abuse allegation on them. But just like in the case we just followed, they didn't 
they didn't connect. I think they went from county to county to state to state. They went to different places, like a wider uh, range. Um, and it didn't follow through. And I don't even know if today it follows through state to state and county to county. I'm not sure. You would hope. I think that people may assume that. Yeah. But, you know, it just depends on communication. And some agencies are better than others. At yeah. That. And the other thing about like the heart case that I remember is that they were super big on social media. And I guess it came mm-hmm. out after the fact of everyone being dead that they, I guess they found drafts or like tons of videos that didn't get posted of them coaching the kids on what to say. And like, making sure what they posted was perfect. And it's basically like social media, you see a different side than what's really happening. And there was like no negative. It almost looked like the perfect family. Um, and I also remember in that situation, they would like cut ties with people when they left. So they were never around the same people. The same people weren't seeing those kids, you know, it's just scary. (laughs) Yeah, they're um, the ones, too, that had that photo that went viral of um, their adopted black child hugging the police officer, Mm -hmm. which was apparently, you know, just a photo op for the moms. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which is so sad that you would just use your children on social media like that. Oh, yeah, they did it all the time. Um, I remember they go to a lot of, like, festivals for um, lesbians and gay people. Um, and the kids would just be so out there and so accepting and blah, 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 which is fine. That part's fine. But they, behind closed doors, it was a completely different, awful thing. They were starving them. I remember they wouldn't let them leave the house. Mm -hmm. They weren't taking care of them. There was little ones that were sitting in their like diapers. I think, yeah, it was, it's horrible. Yeah. So Basically, if you see something and you're unsure, just check. And sometimes it's hard with kids, especially if they're little. You're what are you going to ask them? Hey, does your mom hit you? Or hey, are you not eating? Or anything. You, I mean, you have to be smart about how you ask. You have to make sure that they know they can trust you. Because I mean, I had CPS call to me so many times on my mom. CPS called on my mom, and they had come in our house so many times. And, um, at one point I was getting in more trouble for telling people about CPS and CPS wasn't doing anything. I stopped. It wasn't worth it for me. They weren't going to intervene. They came like, I think like over six times, never intervened. And I would get beaten for it. (laughs) And, um, I just stopped, um, because I didn't want to have to deal with it. So if you're going to do it, just commit to it. Yeah. Gotta follow through. That's really tough. Yep. And that really sucks that you had to see it from that perspective. Yeah. But I hope in 20 to 30 years things have changed, but who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah, just keep an eye out. Mm hmm. So that's that long case, deep case, sad case. Yeah. But I hope everyone has a happy Halloween and everyone's safe and does not end up dismembered in the woods. That would be one good thing for all our listeners. (laughs) Yeah. Stay safe. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases podcast. 
Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. The music and production assistance from Darren Megans. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.